Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the super mega Olympic all-star edition of the Blazer's Edge podcast. Dun, dun, we are dun. part of the almighty baller radio network, and you can find us on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm not Tara Lipinski. I'm Tara Bowen Biggs, and oh, he don't you is do it. not Johnny Weir. He is Blazer's outsider, Danny Meringue. There we go. <sighs> <laughs> Dan, this weekend is all about sports excellence. Of course, we have the Olympics going on right now, so we get to see the culmination of years and years of hard work, people participating in events, and if they don't stick the landing, they'll die. (laughs) Yeah. Run into a wall, and they'll crack their head open. I love the difference between the Summer Olympics. Summer Olympics, you know, hey, let's see who can run the fastest, jump the highest, uh, swim the fastest in the Winter Olympics. Who can die first? Who can survive? <laughs> Seriously, like it's the it's the Winter Hunger it's not Games. Bad enough for- if it's not bad enough, we have an event where we have a gun. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, you know what? Here's a great idea. Let's all get on the ice with these giant daggers on our feet and spin around in circles really fast with our partner. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, or another one. <laughs> head. Let's, let's go ahead and shoot head first down an ice slide at 80 miles an hour where you literally have no brakes and there's nothing stopping you from going face first into a giant wall of ice. Like, I, I think the... Don't get me wrong, like the competitive nature and like the level of which these athletes all participate at is certainly a draw. But like there's a little bit of the dark side there when you're watching the Winter Olympics. Like, I wonder if this guy's really going to crash. Like every time you see something, because when you fall in like you, you drop a baton in a marathon and tumble on the track, you might get spiked a little bit. Sure, that sucks. But the threat of like a 13-inch blade slicing across you is not something you typically have to worry about in anything other than half the sports that apparently happened in the Winter Olympics. Well, and it's also the other thing about the Winter Olympics that is like, so, I mean, they're like the the snow events, you know, like the flipping and the 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 snowboarding and the skiing and the you know all that stuff. They somehow these incredible athletes somehow make it look really easy. So you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I could see how if you worked for a few years, you could figure out how to do that. But there's one event that I think looks like the most miserable thing to ever do on the entire planet, and that is the cross country ski racing. That looks like the most yeah. miserable thing you could possibly do. Like the, I can't believe the athletes can do this. Like when you see them like trucking as fast as they can uphill on cross country skis, <laughs> and then uphill like both the ways one where the they snow. pass off the baton, it's just it's. I can't believe that. Like, why would you do that to yourself? It's yeah. just, it's incredible. Well, the, actually, so because um, I can never stop talking, thinking about the Blazers, the whole time I've been watching, I've been like sitting in the couch watching the Olympics all weekend. But the whole time I've been doing it, I've been trying to figure out like which Blazers would be good at which different events. Mm-hmm. So I have I, ha- I thought up a couple and I have a couple for you to find, to, for you to tell me. So like, I'll go first. Um, like which blazer would be best at figure skating? And obviously the answer is Damian Lillard, right? Because I was going to go know. with Shabazz or CJ. No, it's Dame. We all like for fun. He goes and he goes roller skating. I mean, he's like already really good at roller skating. He yeah. like rents out park. He goes with his family. But CJ Plus, puts people on skates. No, 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 Dan. When it, when you're talking about like Boo. who would actually perform it best, also think about the costumes that we know that Dame, like Dame, you know, like I can see he him. He does in already some sort go a, shirtless with suits, so you're right. I know. Can't you see him adapting yeah. that into like an ice skating outfit, like the the shirt off suit, then with the pants that like you know are made out of that weird stuff that like hooks around the bottom of your skates? I could totally see Damien just like rocking that look yeah. on the. On- the one, that I, the one that I keep going to here is Ed Davis is in the bobsled. Oh. Like, big, strong, fast dude. Yeah. He's definitely in the back seat. Yeah. Like, like he, he, he's, do you he's, think he would do the, two-man or four-man? I think he could do the one-man. 
Yeah. Do they have a one man one? No, I haven't seen that no, yet. Would, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of Ed Davis stuffing himself into a bobsled, and that just makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> See, but, I think my 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 dream bobsled team for the Blazers is because I think it's easier when they're all about the same size. I don't know why. Maybe I like heard that somewhere or something. So I think for the four man bobsled team, we need to go with all the five. Uh, the six, five shooting guards. So we go with Pat Connaughton. We get CJ Wilcox, Wade Baldwin. We call them up and then we bring back Anthony Morrow. And then they're all like a bobsled full of six, five shooting guards. I could see that. Well, I don't know if you want Anthony Morrow on that. Cause I, I don't know if, if Morrow has legs left. Like he, don't get me wrong. Morrow, Morrow can shoot, but I, I don't know how much he's got left in the wheels. <laughs> like, uh, uh, Pat could, Pat could carry him. Okay. Who do you think would be good at best at curling? Ooh, throwing that out Have there. Have you had a chance to stone? watch any of that? Oh, God, yeah. No, I, I used to go curling when I was stationed in North Dakota. <gasps> shout, shout, out Grand, shout out Grand Forks Curling Club. Yeah, um, there's not a whole lot to do in Grand Forks, North Dakota. So you... you uh, I had you, no idea. You find, you find ways to make these things work. Um, yeah. So, so um, yeah, so you have real knowledge of the sport. So who do you think would be I'm best? actually going to go with Myers. That's who I would have gone with. Because you, you, as 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 the shooter, you've got to be loud. And Myers is very. He, um, is that the person who like throws the rock down yeah, the ice? Yeah. So you, okay. you, you've got him throwing it down. He's got he's you know when he's when he's on he's on he can he can he can yeah. shoot the rock literally. Well, um, and it's okay to be careful. Yep. It's and, okay to like and you, you want to measure it up, like, take your time. It. You don't, you can actually you can actually get a little pump fake action going too. Um, and then throw on top of that, you hear Myers yell, sweep, sweep, sweep. <laughs> um, I, could, I could actually see that happen. And then, you know, I, I could, that one's a pretty easy one for me. Um, yeah. I think, and I think and Myers could wear like the, 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 the skin tight, like curling track suits that are like really common now. And mm-hmm. um, I actually saw, I can't remember what nation it was. Uh, it was Czechs, maybe? Uh, one of them had a... Uh, like in a Carmelo Anthony, like shooting sleeve, like on his throwing <laughs> arm. And I was like, man, we are one step away from like some dude showing up out here with like a Supreme shooting sleeve and like just really taking it back. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to go with Myers on this. And the non height beast Myers, um, out there as, as a lead curling I, specialist. I could see him doing that. I think that Mo Harkless would be really good at the half pipe. He seems like a snowboarder, like, you know, like soup, like he could just do the super chill. I could see him like wearing the whole like baggy outfit and just like calmly going down there and just like doing some crazy and not half pipe stuff. Yeah, exactly. Just like <laughs> fundamentally but, like, not in a caring. good way. Not like not caring, like I don't care about this, but just like letting it all go and like just being very zen about like, you know what? I'm just going. I'm going for it. And, you know, this is my time. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to be done. And then I'm going to be, you know, that I'm going to shut down until they call me up for my next round. That's kind of what I think. I, I think I, he'd be good I at that. I want to see Nurkish in the, uh, the synchronized or partner um, ice skating. Like the ice dancing or yeah. like in, uh, well, I was thinking Myers and Ellie would be really good in figure skating. Cause think about like how much she could, like he could throw her up and she could twirl and he would totally catch her. Yeah. You I just know. don't, I don't trust Myers on skates. Like the Bosnian <laughs> beast, he's, he's got some nimble toes. That footwork is pretty, That's true. You've pretty talked impressive. about his footwork a lot. I, I think and it, it would be really, really fun to try to like watch him throw like the triple sow cow. <laughs> Man, you know what, with, with the men's figure skating, they, they like twirl around in the air so many times now that like, you can't even tell how many times they're doing it. Yeah. Like, they, uh, there I, was actually a, once a they graph. go around three times, it's like, you can't even, you just lose track. Like there's like analytics for ice skating now. And somebody was joking about it uh, on an analytics Twitter the other day. Like one of, I think it was NBC. They put up a, a, a chart, like showing how many more like triple plus rotations that the men had thrown <laughs> this year over like the past 10 Olympics. It was yeah. some, it was something astronomical. It was like this was like the big the the big year, or I should say the the big uh, Olympic year as far as like growth in the sport, as far as like pushing it to another level. Well, I'm glad you found your ice skating analytics people, Dan. Yes, That's great. Uh, sh- shout out the <laughs> ice skating analytics folks. The, the, we out here. <laughs> I have I have one more. I don't want to beleaguer, beleaguer this for too long, but I really want to know who you think would be best at the skeleton, and that's the one where you were talking about oh, where yeah. you jump on a sled and go Kamikaze. head first, face down, 
no breaks, no controls whatsoever, except for just leaning to side to side. That's Aminu. Who do you think would be best? That's Aminu. You think it would be Aminu? Well, well, I mean, we see I, it nightly. I'm worried because he has go, a little kid, and I go, feel like he'd be go, more responsive. Go like, head he'd be first like, no. down the lane, out of control. I mean, that that sounds like an Aminu drive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. It, it's either I, him or I, Baz. Like it's gonna be one of those two, just because like, Baz is tiny and fast and can shoot down. But Chief is pretty reckless, and I like it's like a controlled recklessness that I can get behind. Uh yeah, I I, I have to you know of all for the amount of embrace hashtag embrace the chaos I've been tweeting this year. Every time Chief gets the ball, I have to say that's probably a pretty good em- embrace the skeleton. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so uh, speaking of excellence, let's talk about that last Blazer game before All-Star break. I totally called that a win, by the way. What? I totally called that that Warriors game a win. No, I didn't. Yeah. Okay, well, so the Trailblazers, because it feels like it's been like an age ago, Trailblazers beat the defending champions 123 to 117. Damian Lillard came off a 50-point game to put in 44 on Valentine's Day, which was incredible. Yusuf Nurkic came to play. Good Nurk. He had a double-double, 17 and 13, plus he had three assists. Um, and despite 50 points from some guy named Kevin Durant, the Blazers outlasted them and they headed into the all-star break with a record of 32 and 26. What stood out to you about that game? And what can we learn, if anything, um, when the season starts up again after all-star break? Damian Lillard is a legitimate top 15 player in the NBA. Jeez Louise. Yeah. I mean, what he's been doing for the past five games, he leads the NBA in scoring. Um, he's, he's just been on one. I mean, over the last five, 34 points, almost six assists and three rebounds. And he's basically shooting 50, 40, a hundred. He, he's, he's getting almost nine, three throws. 40, 100. He's, he's shooting a hundred percent from the free throw line. Like, oh my let, God. let me change this per game to total so I can see how many free throws he's got in this period. So five games, he's Seems at like a lot. 41 free throws. So, <gasps> so he's getting the line eight plus times a game. Are you saying he hasn't missed one in five games? Yeah, he's forty-one of forty-one. Oh no, we just messed no, no. it up. No, oh, I, I, I called so it up. Sorry. I called it up before the Warrior game, and he and he went a perfect one there too. So, you know, he's he's still keeping it going. But I mean, the, the level at which he's been playing at is just dumb. I mean, I, I can't put it any other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, on we need outsiders, to increase your vocabulary. I, no, I mean, it was just like there's just no other way to quantify like what. We brought this up on the Outsiders that because some people thought this was hot takey that Damian Lillard right now is already a better player and more revered and more successful than Terry Porter ever was. And so depends people, on how you measure success. If you, if you want to say team success, then yeah, you can give it to Porter for getting to the finals. There's there's, there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about individual, individual. accolades. Okay. And some people okay. were like, no, I don't know about that. I'm like, there's there's not a season in Porter's career where he did what Dame's been doing. I keep trying to quantify like what his statistically his box score has been. Like we we talked about it all season. Like guys that are averaging twenty six six and five, twenty six seven and five. Like everybody that's on that list is, if not in the Hall of Fame, a first ballot Hall of Fame guy. Like that's, that's the he's level the he's best, at. Do you think he's the best point guard in the league right now? No, I think he's playing the best basketball in the league over the last two weeks. Like he's gonna win. Okay. He's gonna win Player of the Week. He's probably, barring a a spectacular collapse, he's probably gonna win Player of the Month for February. For February, yeah. Okay. Um, it's a shortened month, which which could help or hurt him. Um, you know, KD or Steph could have could go completely supernova and and mm-hmm. make something happen. Um, but like when you look at his production um, in February, it's. It's pretty crazy. Heck, if you look at his production since the turn of the year, he's one of the best players in basketball. So in February, Dame's second in the league in scoring behind Anthony Davis. And hmm. Dame's averaging 32, 6.7 Above assists. Above Harden and Westbrook, huh? Yeah. Okay. So the leading scorers for the month of February, Davis, Dame, Harden, George, Depot, KD, Butler, James, Kemba, and Westbrook. Hmm. And here's the thing. Of all those guys, only Durant, LeBron, and PG, I think, are shooting. No, AD's shooting better. So he's right in the middle, but he's right behind them. Yeah, Kevin Durant in seven games is shooting 65%. Good God. 
So he had 50 points in that game. 50, 39, I mean, 39, 44 or his last four games. So what happened to the defending champions that the Blazers were able to take it to them? I mean, so like Yusuf Nurgic brought it that game. He caught a lot of flack after the Utah game. You know, he did the disappearing app. There was a lot of talk about what happened to him. Is he really injured? You know, lots of speculation about what's going on. I think somebody told him to suck it up. I think somebody told him he showed up for that. Yeah, because the the contrast in players between the Utah game and that that Warrior game were two totally different players. Mm -hmm. I I think Dame. I I have no evidence of this. This is just my own personal opinion. I think Dame pulled Nurkic aside and said, "You need to figure this out." Uh Because the the, need to show up. Yeah, the difference in player was drastic. There was, Uh I mean, there's, it was nuts. I mean. I mean, it was really the first time all season that I saw, you know, the what I would consider the Nurkic that played From at last the end year. of last season. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. I think he's had some good yeah. games, but I think wire to wire in this game, he was there. And that's why you saw him to close the game out. Um, and I think his impact was bigger than his box score, and he had a hell of a box score night. Yeah, he did like have a 17 nice box and 13, score. Oh, good God. I'll take that every mm-hmm. night. Like, I, honestly, consistent Nurkic, the, even though Nurkic is at 14 and 8, which I think is a good number, if you just said Nurkic gives me 14 and 8 every night, but his field goal percentage was up and his turnovers were down, I'd take that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But when you get fully engaged Nurkic that's, that's altering shots, blocking shots in the paint, forcing guys away. I mean, if it wasn't for Kevin Durant going completely supernova from outside, because KD wasn't killing it. I mean, he wasn't getting to the inside. When he was getting there, he was scoring. But he wasn't getting there easy. Um, I think it was a combination, as far as that game in general, it was a combination of Dame being just unreal, Nurkic finally embracing and becoming the guy who he thought he could be, and I think there's a, a few things wrong with the Warriors. I don't want to take too much away from the Blazers' win because it was a great game. It was really enjoyable. It was a ton of fun. But the Warriors were not firing on all cylinders in that game. And credit yeah. to I mean, they didn't have Portland. Patrick McCaw, right? Yeah, they that, didn't have Patrick Blazer, McCaw. Blazer so. killer Patrick McCaw. Um, <laughs> I mean, he totally has come on against he, the Blazers. He has casually <laughs> torched us in the past, which is hilarious. <laughs> But I mean, he, so I was tongue in cheek, but yeah, no. Really, but but the Warriors are like, and you've heard Steve Kerr talk about it, and he he had the uh, he gave up the coaching duties, which you know irked the guys in Phoenix. Yeah. But who cares about Phoenix because they're getting just hey, be off. nice. I mean, don't get blown up by forty. That's kind of how I feel about it. Like I I get why those guys are, are are pissed off in Phoenix, but there's an easy way to fix that. Don't get blown out by 40. And you can fix that on the court because if you see that and you feel it's disrespectful, you've got the personnel on your roster to spike a dude to the floor. Like, you can send a hard foul, not get tossed, and be like, okay, how about you not coach anymore? Have your coach come back to the bench. There's a pretty easy way to get around So you think it should have been easy, pretty easy for Phoenix to just get mad and not not lose by 40? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Honestly. I don't think it's quite that easy. I mean, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe not for Phoenix. These guys want to lose by forty. Come on, uh, losing by forty, especially the, the Suns that have done it. Like they're going to hit an NBA record probably. Yeah, this they've year. lost a lot of games by forty. Like that's. Don't get me wrong. Like those seventy sixers teams that were that were part of the trust the process team were very uh-huh. very bad. These teams here have much more talent on them, and the Suns, and they're getting beat like this. So I think it's more of a mentality thing than it is a talent thing, and I think that those yeah. are things you can control, like not getting – getting blown out is one thing. Getting embarrassed is a whole other thing, but like back so to – So can you – no, yeah, go, ahead. go Back to that game. Well, back to that game. I mean, uh, do you think that game the, uh, tells us more about the team from the Bay Area or more about the Blazers? I think you know in the grand scheme, people probably won't like this. I think it tells us more about the Warriors, because uh-huh. let's say that the Warriors are on fire. Because Steph was just not at all in that game. Like I, I would love to say that Damian Lillard took Steph Curry out of his game, but I, I haven't seen Damian Lillard do that to anybody. Like I've seen Damian Lillard play good defense. I've never seen him take somebody out of a game. Oh, he takes Russ Westbrook out of the game. Okay, yeah, okay. Me- mentally, he does. He gets in his head so fast. This, this is very true. Um, <laughs> that, that's that's a different story. But I'm talking about with with his defense, and because I, I don't right. think Steph's a guy. I think the only guy that's going to get in Steph's head is either Steph or LeBron. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that sounds about right. Trying to take Steph down a notch is like trying to take down somebody else I know a notch. Not easy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I had one more quick question about that game. That one, one thing that struck me while I was watching it, and I was watching Nurkic having a good game, even though, I mean, he only dunked twice, but it was twice, so that's good. Well, I was um, saying, it was only twice. I was going to say, no, I, was, I was like, come on now. Twice is okay. That's, that's, that's like a For year's him, ration. A Okay, I'm trying to be complimentary. I'm trying to embrace the chaos of the Nurkic layups the same way I embrace the chaos Speaking of the Speaking of chaos, Joel Embiid is, is causing all kinds of chaos in this All-Star game. It's is actually, he wrecking it's, havoc it's a, on the All-Star game? It's a 141-144 score with a, with a minute 40 to go. Uh, Steph's oh, team's, wow, it's a low-scoring game. It's low-scoring, low scoring and, they're, and they're, Embiid is on LeBron on a step-back three. I'm play-by-playing this because LeBron just hit a step-back three on Joel Embiid. This is it's a tie game with a minute thirty to go. So this is this is fun. Like I don't want to get too off. Do we need track. to like pause the podcast so you can go watch the end no, of it so you can see what happens? We're, we're gonna keep going. I'm just gonna yell randomly as we go through it. But now Embiid is going straight one on one with LeBron and KD brought help. How do you, okay? That's disrespectful. That's disrespectful, Sarah. <laughs> you you let a guy gonna... go one on one with Joel Embiid and LeBron James out on the perimeter, no help. Now Embiid is like, okay, I'm gonna get you back, man, and and takes him down to the post. LeBron James, LeBron James, um, down to the post, and Kevin Durant is gonna go help him. Come on, come <laughs> on, Tara. Okay, I'm gonna skip my last question because I it's one that's a serious question, but I think I can work it in later. Um, mm-hmm. But but since we're watching the um, All Star, since you're watching the end of the All Star game, um, are you like big into the All Star game? I am big into or like into the weekend. I, the weekend's kind of eh. now the dunk Any contest. Events? The dunk contest is definitely something I okay. always get behind. And my adult son Donovan Mitchell, shout mm-hmm. out, he went off. Um, I, I love the the tribute to Vince Carter, and I swear to God, every time he cocked the ball back, his arms got longer. Like with each <laughs> successful dunk, he became gumby. Just to taunt you, yeah, he did. He's like, it, it was like every time his arms stretched back further, it was it was that was how much further away he was from being drafted by the Blazers. This is every single okay, so- time. Was just oh uh, no, Donovan. I miss you. Okay, we'll get to that in just a sec. But some people said that uh, that Dennis Smith got robbed. He now, did get I, robbed. Dennis, he, he should have been in the finals. So Not tell me lie. about the two best uh, dunks that they did and why, I mean, like, how, what did it come down to? Because I didn't watch it, but I need, like, you know, the 30-second the synopsis of each dunk and which one was truly better. I mean, I think they were both, like, in my mind, the, the best thing to do would have been to have – Donovan Mitchell and um, Dennis Smith Jr. in the finals because I like... Okay, so they didn't get to go head-to-head in the end. But my personal view is little dudes that get up higher, and this has pretty much been kind of the the trend, they get rewarded more because they have to get up higher. They have farther to go. (laughs) Like what, what JaVale McGee did in dunking two basketballs on two different hoops, like... I don't think people really understand like how far away two basketball hoops like side by side really are and the physical length of his arms necessary. Speaking of like mm-hmm. Gumby arms, go, go gadget arms to do what JaVale McGee did. But because he's seven uh-huh. foot tall and he has the wingspan of a pterodactyl, everybody's like, eh, no big deal. But six foot three Donovan Mitchell decides he's going to get up there and show off his like 44 or 45 inch vertical. Like, that's impressive because his his winning dunk um, was the the Vince Carter um, mm-hmm. tribute dunk, the uh, the three sixty windmill, and then he even even gave the Vince celebration. The the Vince celebration was a nice capper, but the his his uh, shut it down, it's over part of the celebration. Like it was it was a little soft, it was a little weak. Oh God! Mm. And, and like well, all things in probably- life. James Harden just choked in the in a prime moment of a big game. The All Star game, that's he, the big game. Yep, yeah, I mean, if, if, if there's if there's a big moment for James Harden to choke in, he will find it. He just airballed the three. Ooh, <sighs> ouch! Hey, don't don't ouch. choke, don't choke in game sixes or game sevens, and I won't make jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go back to Donovan Mitchell because I know you've been keeping your eye on him. And we, the Blazers have – we recently played Utah. We're going to play, play again. Utah again. There's going to be a lot of Utah in our life for the next six weeks. So 
Well, tell me about Donovan Mitchell. And actually, so I watched the, um, let's see, uh, Coach Nick from B-Ball Breakdown Mm -hmm. did a video about why the Jazz are beating everybody right now. And after watching that video, I mean, they are as good as a team that is on an 11 game winning streak. I mean, at first I thought I was like, "Mm, this maybe this is just, maybe this is just coincidence. Maybe they're just getting lucky because, you know, luck sometimes figures into things. It does. It absolutely does. But I don't think they are. I think they're really good. (laughs) No. And this, remember remember how crazy people thought when I said at the beginning of this season that the jazz were going to be a good team and they could arguably be a better team than Portland. Everybody's like, no, okay. there's no way. Portland's coming back. They have chemistry. Nurk Fever's going to come in. And I'm like, Donovan Mitchell's a player. Now, the loss of George Hill and, and Gordon Hayward hurts, but it's a bigger role for Rudy Gobert. And the, the one I think that I got wrong was I thought Rodney Hood was really going to grow into this team. Like, I figured uh-huh. that was going to be – like I, yeah, I, th- I there's no place for him <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, he's out now. But I, Donovan Mitchell has been even better than I thought he was going to be his rookie year. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you've got Gobert back healthy. Derek Favors is playing like an actual NBA player. Joe Ingles is a stud. I mean, he's the mo- probably he the most underrated dude in the league. Against Portland, he, he, he was career high. Yeah. That game, and he's bigger than I thought he was. He's 6'8". Like, he's a big dude. I mean, he seems like he's taller than that. I mean, he... He was really taking up a lot of space. He was commanding a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. He was making a lot of shots. He was having a really nice night. But I want to hear more about what is um, special about Donovan Mitchell. Because I know that you wish that the Blazers had drafted him. And you thought that he would be a really great fit for the Blazers yep. back during draft night. I want to hear more about that. And I want to know like what role you think he would have played had he come here. Okay, so the, for just to kind of rehash everything here, the... the the course of events that I pictured happening was the Blazers, if you knew that you were going into the draft, if you knew that you had a, a deal or a plan in place to trade Alan Crabb, you needed to look for another guard because you've got, some, you've got plenty of big bodies that you can kind of work your way through. And you have additional picks on the back end. Um, so the, the guys that I talked about were Donovan Mitchell, number one. Number two, Malik Monk, who's been in a funk to say the least and he's been injured in charlotte but donovan mitchell was the guy over and over and over i had like as attainable for portland that was the guy it was him mm-hmm. og ananobi like those are the two guys like if, you, if they came out of the draft with those guys i was thrilled like that was that was a huge huge coup of a draft the okay. way i look at him to kind of get to the other part of your question here is how or how he would fit on this team he then would make cj mccullum quote-unquote expendable and I don't mean to say that he's as good as CJ McCollum and I know people will say well who knows if he comes to Portland if he's as successful in Portland as he is in Utah I don't think he would be as successful immediately in Portland as he is in Utah right now I think he would be a guy that could be 70 to 75 percent of what CJ McCollum is now and if you get that guy 75 percent of CJ McCollum on a rookie scale deal you know CJ's at what, 23, 22, 23 million. Donovan Mitchell's at 4 million, roughly. If you then, you then have the capacity to move a big contract, big, bring in a big contract on the wing, and now you've got Donovan Mitchell, aka baby Damian Lillard, alongside Damian Lillard with a newfound wing presence that you've traded CJ McCollum for. Now you're talking about kickstarting the rebuild, quote-unquote, or the retooling of this Blazers franchise and immediately putting them in competition in the upper tier in the Western Conference. So with the with Alan Crabb leaving, Donovan Mitchell, is he a 2-3 or is he a 1-2? He's more of a 1-2. A He's like CJ. But as much right. as okay. Crabb played the 3, he wasn't really like... The Blazer, it's, it's the same kind of thing as using like Pat Connaughton at the three. He doesn't so have the wingspan like, as crap. Get Donovan Mitchell and trade CJ. Yes, that was that was what. But I mean, that's that shouldn't be shocking to anybody who's who's heard me talk about this before. It's not that I don't like CJ because I love CJ. I just don't think the Dame CJ backcourt is going to work. Where if you could work CJ for that wing guy, you basically have Dame CJ and the wing guy by moving CJ. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. 
I mean, mm-hmm. if, if, for people that are, that don't understand, how tall is Donovan Mitchell? Uh, I believe they have him listed at. Let me pull up his official. I believe they have him listed at six four, but he's he's like CJ. He's he's basically so CJ's size. Okay, so he's not tall enough that they could all carry that many uh, six. Three-ish guards, and, yeah, exactly, and, and smaller guards. Correct. So CJ so would have it, to go. I mean, that's that's kind of the idea there. Maybe CJ stays around for a year. Also, Team LeBron is now up three with ten seconds to go. So that's wild. Just just, just let's go ahead and frame what Donovan Mitchell's production has been thus far in his rookie year mm-hmm. with rookie Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is a rookie. Played almost thirty-nine minutes a game. The Donovan Mitchell is playing 32 minutes a game. Okay? So if you go to their per 36 numbers, Donovan Mitchell is actually outperforming Damian Lillard in almost every category save assists. Per 36, uh-huh. Donovan Mitchell is at 22 points per game. Damian Lillard is at 18. Assists-wise, Dame's at 6, Donovan Mitchell's at 4. Steals. How does that? What about the guys that that they each had around them? I mean, it's kind of like you're plopping him in there like in a vacuum and but, assuming but that is, he's going to do exactly the same. He's kind of in that same position where they're asking him to be that scoring guy and set the table. That's what uh-huh. they're asking him to do. They're asking him to be what what Dame did to set the table. And Damian had Lamarcus and Wesley Matthews mm-hmm. and Robin Lopez. Or do, or do you consider? So I guess. I, I look at this Utah Gobert. team. Yeah, they, they have Gobert. I think Joe Ingles is basically your your Nick Batum. Uh, Jay Crowder is going to end up being their their Wes Matthews. Uh, I think in the combination of guys that they have rotating in at power forward and center positions, they, they aren't the same, obviously, as LaMarcus Aldridge, but they do run a lot of post-up offense and interior offense for guys like Derek Favors. And and before that, you know, a guy like Joe Johnson was getting in there. Um so, yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities in, in what they asked rookie Damian Lillard to do and rookie Donovan Mitchell to do. Mm-hmm. So, so, you're, so, in your opinion, the Blazers should have drafted Donovan Mitchell, traded CJ, and gotten somebody else um, in the wing in return for CJ. Yeah, I mean, it, okay. I, I know how simple that all sounds, and it would take a lot of machinations to make yeah, that work. Yeah, you make it, it sound super it's, easy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hell of a risky play, but let, let's put it this way. Uh, and this isn't to throw shade at Zach Collins. Who is, is Zach Collins coming in right now versus Donovan Mitchell coming in right now? Who's more ready already? You know, who's the more ready player? Okay, if you're talking about the timeline, the timeline, the timeline. And if you're talking about um, contributions now and in the future, Donna Mitchell's a year and a half older. We're, we're not talking like a, 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 a guy who's like five years older. Yes, Zach mm-hmm. Collins is younger. So are you getting at that Donovan Mitchell is closer to age uh, Damon CJ and closer to readiness to Damon or to Dame? Sorry, because you've already traded CJ. Correct. Um, And so if you're keeping these guys who are supposed to be all growing together as a core in the same trajectory, Donovan Mitchell was a better choice. He fits fits right (laughs) alongside these guys. And. And the, the one knock that I think that people found with CJ early on was the lack of defense. Donovan Mitchell from day one, does he get beat? Yes. Is, is the effort intensity and all that stuff all on the defensive end there, night in, night out? Hell yes. This dude is a competitor through and through. He is a bulldog on the basketball court. And, and maybe it's, it's my bias that I see that in him. But this, this kid is... I, it's not going to be like the Blazers passing up on Michael Jordan, in my opinion. I, that's that's way too hot takey for me. But I think this is going to be. Oh, you a, sound like it's that much of an impact. I it's, mean, you it's sound. A, it's the next you're tier on down. Fire about this. It's the next tier down. I think they legitimately passed up on a superstar. I think they legitimately mm-hmm. set the franchise back a few years with this pick. Okay. Because the the, the what they're what they limited themselves with by taking Zach Collins and moving up, especially right now. Um, and that's what that's what matters to Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. That's what matters to those guys is the right now. These guys are going into their prime. They don't want to hear what you've two traded years. CJ, so you don't care what CJ. But, but but I'm talking about just in in general, like these guys that are in their primes right now. They don't they don't want to wait two years for salary to fall off the books. Like they want to compete. Damian Lillard has said steadfastly, "I want to compete. I want to be there. I want to surprise people night in, night out." 
every post game, you know, when they talk about what the goal is, that's what those guys look at. And I, I think that, that the Blazers missed the boat on this one, big time. Um, I, I could so, be wrong in three years, and Zach Collins is a perennial 20-10 and 10 all-star. I just don't mm-hmm. see that happening. So they missed the boat, and they're sitting on, I guess, Zach Collins Island, looking out into the future. And praying what that land the, appreciates. What do the what do the Blazers do now? I mean, that's that's my only that that's why, like, when you said you wanted to talk about this, like, I rolled my eyes and groaned so hard, because to me, this conversation is like. So what do we do now? What what good is sitting here wringing our hands saying, "Oh, we should have gotten Donovan Mitchell." We should have, okay, maybe we should have. But what do we do now? How do the Blazers move into the future? And that's um, Neil this is what the situation that. is. Yeah, I, I think Neil Shea said it at the trade deadline. We're we're sitting on Zach Collins. And Dave, mm-hmm. Dave explained it, I think, really, really well uh, in breaking down the transcript from the old Shea. I don't know if you want to call it a press conference. Or the, the old Shea back and forth on NBC Sports with uh, Dwight James. The, mm-hmm. the appreciable assets that the Trailblazers currently have, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Al Farouk Aminu, Zach Collins, and draft picks. Everybody else is either on a large guaranteed contract or is a restricted free agent, or is a peripheral player in the NBA. So when he says that teams are asking about Zach Collins, that's because you've ruled out Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum as as available assets, and the only other things that they have that, that they may they may want at this point in time, because Ed Davis was apparently taken off the market, is Zach Collins and draft picks. So yeah, every team is going to ask about Zach Collins. Because it's uh-huh. the only thing that's, that's even remotely available that anybody wants right now. The, the state of the NBA, as far as like financially, is in a really, really weird place. And I, like, I think there's going to be a lot of players that in a, here in a couple months are, number one, really shocked at how much money they don't get. And number two, well, really I mean, angry. Lou Williams set the bar. I yep. mean, he really, he, he set the bar at, is it $8 million a year? Yeah, and I've um, heard from NBA players' agents over the mm-hmm. past couple weeks that are not happy that Lou Williams right. took that deal. Because he could oh, have sure. waited. He could have waited on yeah. that. And then the other guys would have fallen in line, or somebody else could have got one earlier. Because not only did he take less money, he gave a team option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was pretty surprising. Like he gave up all the leverage, and that's nuts. Now teams are going to head into this this free agency period. Like, hey, the twenty one point per game all star who's shooting fifty forty ninety took this. <laughs> what you're gonna you're gonna take the ML or the 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 taxpayer MLE right? Like that's what mm-hmm. these guys so are offering. You, you still haven't said what the Blazers do without you know what uh, without having taken uh, Donovan Mitchell. So they sit do on you him. see them? They, they sit yeah. on Zach Collins. <laughs> they and like, sit on. They hope, he, they hope he appreciates in value, whether that's on the court mm-hmm. or as, as a, in a trade. Well, so there's, there's one more topic that I, that I want to hit on, and it's kind of a good segue because we keep talking about C.J. McCollum. And all year, every time we talk about C.J. McCollum, I feel like we're talking about C.J. in the context of, you know, as Damian Lillard's backcourt mate and as, you know, the Blazers' best, you know, potential trade, you know, thing to, uh, you know, person to dangle out in mm-hmm. trade for other teams for somebody big. But we don't really talk about C.J. McCollum for C.J. McCollum. So are, are you ready to move on from the Donovan Mitchell thing for now? And oh, yeah. turn, Or do you want – is there anything else no, you want to no, finish up with? I, 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 okay. would, I, would, I would just say that I, I, I hope I'm wrong here. I hope we don't look back at this in four years and go – Oh, I hope you're wrong oh, too just because I want you to be wrong, Dan. That's fine. <laughs> I, that's totally I love fine. when you're wrong. I, I, I have, I have I cemented like it more when my... I'm right, but that's even harder to be than you being wrong. You're, so, you're so right you plenty wrong. often. I, hey, I well, have you never cemented. Say it. You could say it once in a while, but it really hurt you. Hey, I have I cement my takes on Twitter. I don't take them down. That they're they are there. So like I was I was a I've been a big fan of guys in the draft before that didn't pan out, and I've been a I've been critical of guys that turned out to be better. So give know. me one so I can make fun of you. Oh, off the top of my head, I'd have to go back and look at the drafts. Oh, they're not burned into your memory. No, no, because none of them were really that. Oh, oh, move on uh, real quickly from failures. Uh, I was, I was, and 
the injury is aside, this probably hurts. It does or doesn't really that bad. But I thought Jabari Parker was going to be leaps and bounds better than Andrew Wiggins. Mm-hmm. That that was that was one. I was I was Team Jabari, really heavy. Yeah, yeah. Which is okay. weird because yeah. openly rooting for sure a, that... for oh here you go, openly rooting for a Duke guy. I did not think Jason Tatum was going to be as great as he is in the NBA. I, I thought he would be a very average utility player, where he's turned out to be a near or or building towards a, a all star caliber player. I did not mm-hmm. see that coming from him at all. Quite so fast. Okay, well, here's here's what I want to do, my observation about CJ, and then you can, mm-hmm. you know, respond. So the thing about CJ is, you know, for the first couple of years he was here, you know, he had the broken foot his first year. They developed him. They they brought him along slowly. I believe he spent a, a pretty good chunk of time in uh, the – back then it was the D-League. And then in his third year is when he got minutes. And as soon as he got minutes, he started to produce. That was the year that he won most improved player, Mm -hmm. which he argued he got it because he actually got a chance to play that he'd always been that good all along. Of course, that's he's Mm -hmm. obligated to say that. (laughs) But um, as I was looking at CJ's, you know, just his basic stat numbers, his points per game, his assists, his rebounds, things like that from uh, two years ago, last year and this year. They're really quite, I would say they're really quite consistent. Um, You know, they don't, he's, you know, around, you know, between like 20, 20 plus. And I think he had like, you know, 23 last year and he's back at, you know, 21 or something this year for Mm -hmm. points per game. His rebound, when you look at his per 36 minutes, they're, you know, his rebounds, his assists, it's uh, a lot of them are, are very consistent throughout all three years. But the thing that stands out to me is that the first two years where he really came on, so 15, 16, and then 16, 17, Mm -hmm. um, he played point guard about 30, about a third of the time he was playing point guard. And then the rest of the time he was playing shooting guard. So he and Dame were sharing the point guard things. This year, with the emergence of Shabazz as an actual backup point guard, CJ is down to about 12% and that's per that's for from back basketball reference. So he's down to about 12% as point guard. And yet his numbers are still remarkably the same. He just seems like a really steady player and it makes me nervous to think about considering how much other um instability or at least inconsistency we have in other players on this team. It makes me super nervous to think about trading somebody like him away. Yeah, and I think that's always the hesitation, right? Is that he uh he is um I hate using the, the whole consistency, steady Eddie kind of deal because that's not. But he I mean, is right th- now that, to that, this that, team. Oh yeah, that's no, important. <laughs> it, it is, but I think that undersells how good he is too. Like, not only is he consistent, he's consistent and he's near all. He's fringe all star. He's consistently good. Yeah, it, it, and it's it's a it's a different level of consistently good. Ben Gulliver had his thing called the shake rating. You know, the variance between good and bad games. Um, it, the, the actual outcome of shake was, was not good, <laughs> but the concept and the idea of it, I'm not familiar um, with the shake rating. Can you give me a little bit more background? I have to pull up the, his exact differences between the two, but, but what, what, I mean, in general, what does it measure? The consistency from game to game in production of, of a player. Yes. So, okay. um, the, like, let's say probably two years ago, um, one thing I talked about with Damian Lillard was that he could be wildly volatile. Like one game he could have 18 on four mm-hmm. of 17 okay. shooting, while the next okay. game he could have 50 on 16 right. of 25. As but opposed to someone having like CJ, 21 every CJ night. is going to have like 19 to 20 every – Like, but at the same uh-huh. time, up until this season, how many truly explosive games had we really received from CJ McCollum? I think his career high right. heading into this year, I think, was 37. And that was one of those playoff ones, wasn't it? Well, I'm just talking regular season, and I think that was against uh-huh. Phoenix. I think it was the first game of this year or last year. Oh, um, <laughs> everybody has. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, don't get me high. wrong. CJ has, like, one hot quarter, and then he's consistent. Like, when he gets on one, like, whereas opposed to Dame, when Dame gets on one, it's all game long, just 
flamethrower, melt your eyes, good luck defense, wrap it up, we're out of here. Like I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's that's Dame in a nutshell, and I think that's what truly separates Dame from the rest of the NBA. It's him and five other guys that can win you a game just by themselves. Um, I don't think CJ has that in him, but that's not a knock against CJ because I think where CJ prevails is that he's one of the most consistent guys with the exception of this year where he had that stretch of just God awful basketball. He had like a two week stretch where it was like, yeah, dude, what is, and it was really hard to fathom because you're so used to that consistent CJ, right? Mm -hmm. So, well, and I think, I mean, his numbers, like, so he went from, um, you know, scoring, 20.8 20.8 two years ago, then he went up to 23 and now he's back down to 21.7. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is reflected in the, um, uh, in that, um, uh, you know, that cold streak that he had. So it probably could be a little bit, a little bit higher. Yeah, I mean, if you want to I mean, take a look at, at, at like where those guys are at, like we talk about how great a shooter and consistent a shooter CJ McCollum is, right? He's shooting 45% mm-hmm. on the season. You know what Damian Lillard's shooting on the season? What? 44.7. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that's so the kind of season. So that's the kind of season Damian Lillard's been having. So mm-hmm. you, you you want to talk about like production and, and things of that nature? Dame has elevated himself to CJ's level of consistency um, by having these monster games where he's shooting 70 percent. CJ's fallen off ever so slightly in the field goal percentage department. Um, by having some of that, like you said, those rougher stretches, because, uh, well, I don't know if it's rough. I think it's his season last year for mid range was disturbing. The level of disturbingly good. Yeah. It was the level of success that he had in the mid range last year was, was just nutty. Uh, He was one of the best mid range shooters, like per volume last year in NBA history. It was like, Mm -hmm. What he did, and I think we became um, numb to how good he was. So when he stopped hitting that, all of a sudden we were kind of like, "What's wrong with him?" When he really just regressed right. to from you know god tier basketball to like mere mortal. Mm-hmm. So I mean, what about all of the intangibles that CJ or you know the non measurables that I guess the eye test stuff. And, you know, some of those other things that CJ brings to the game that are not reflected in analytics. We don't really talk about that much with him either. What are some of the things that you notice about him? I uh, One of the things I notice about him is he comes flying in for crucial rebounds. <laughs> like his sometimes like he gets the rebound that changes the tone at the end of the game. And I'm always like, was that CJ? Like. You know, he, he's he's averaging just shy of four a game, but I feel like some of the ones that he gets are, like, the crucial ones. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I think that timing is a good way to explain CJ's game. Uh, throughout the okay. game, he, he hits timely shots. He gets timely rebounds. He gets timely steals. Um, the one knock I would say that's on CJ is that in late-game situations – Particularly this year, he's not been good. I, uh, that's in late game. Well, yeah, we know he missed, he missed his missed free throws his, that one time. He's missed free throws a couple times. He's gotten to his spot at that elbow for the pull-up um, a couple times. He's gotten to the rim and gone to the floater a couple times. He's gotten and pulled up for three a couple times. And more often than not, he's fallen short. And it's like, for a guy who you consider to be, again, so timely, that's... it's. It's wildly contrasted. In well, maybe that's that luck that uh, we conveniently pull out every time we can't explain something. Yeah, because I, I mean, mean could Dame those is... situations be attributed to that? Absolutely, because when you talk like nine times out of ten, if you give me CJ McCollum on a pull-up fifteen-footer from the elbow in rhythm, give mm-hmm. me that shot. It's just like mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know. And the same with him at the free throw line. Like maybe it's a mental thing, and it, again, not everybody has the the quote unquote clutch gene, and that's okay. Like Damian Lillard, yeah, but he is, doesn't play like somebody who doesn't have no, it. Though, no, you no, know? I, I think he has the confidence to have it. I just don't know if he necessarily has the capacity to deliver regularly. And maybe that's mm-hmm. just that's recency bias because he's he's mm-hmm. missed some lately. But mm-hmm. it, it doesn't feel like in those moments he's really excelled. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas Damian Lillard, even though the percentages may be against him, it feels like because he's had those big, big, big moments that he's perhaps more clutch than he is. So since the Blazers obviously do not have Donovan Mitchell and CJ (laughs) remains one of the best players on the team and likely uh, very attractive to other teams. I'm going to go back to talking about CJ that we real the way we usually do, which is <laughs> as How part do we trade of the him? trade. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not trying to get rid of him. I'm trying to understand, um, you know, given his consistency and his production. I mean, how reliable would the person that you trade CJ have to be for it, you know, to be worth risking? I mean, because you already have a center who right now has his ups and downs. I mean, is it, would you rather have two, you know, a solid backcourt that you know is going to come and play every single night? Would you rather, um, or would you rather trade for a wing that you, you know, has the potential of being amazing to together with a center that has the potential of being amazing, but you don't know what you're getting. I just, it makes me nervous to think about losing CJ when you don't know for sure what's coming in. That's the dice you're rolling. Cause I think a guy like Donovan Mitchell, I think when we look back at him and I know it's, this is crazy to talk about. We're not even through his first year yet. I think when you look at him at the end of, you know, or in his prime, he's going to be a guy that's very much like if you, and this is going to be like basketball heresy, um, he's a combination of, of Damian Lillard and Dwayne Wade. That, that's, okay. that's how I look at Donovan Mitchell. That's how his game reminds me of um, like how he plays, the tenacity. But you're also going to get some of that Dame, Dame and Dwayne volatility. They're, they're not the consistently steady Eddie shooters. But if you were going to trade C.J. McCollum for somebody at the wing position... In, in my mind, it would be like one of those deals we discussed, like a Chris Middleton or an Aaron Gordon, um, Evan Fournier mix. You know what I mean? Something along those lines. Um, where So then you, have C, or then you have Dame and then somebody you don't know playing shooting guard and then Evan Fournier playing wing? Yep, and then Aaron Gordon and Joseph Nurkic. Like, but I, I understand how that would... Like, You're dreaming. I, oh, hey. Sort of. I don't I mean, know what this is. It's a dream or I mean, a fever dream, maybe? It's, 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 it's a fun dream. Don't get me wrong. Again, for people that take this the wrong way, I love C.J. McCollum. I truly do. I just don't think in the long run, barring a miracle, the Blazers have the necessary assets to bring in a three alongside those two guys. Whereas had they drafted a guy to basically ready-made replace C.J. McCollum, or 70% of C.J. McCollum, then you move C.J. McCollum for a guy that can be that that two-way wing. Let's say Paul George agrees to re-sign and re-up on his deal and everything's good and grand and the perfect world for C.J. McCollum. Now, if you've got Dame, Paul George, and and Donovan Mitchell, you're, you're... I mean, not just you, but I mean, in general, you're telling me that's not going to be a team that's going to no, be... No, me, personally. That, that's not going to be a team that's going to be in the upper tier of not only the Western Conference, but in the NBA? I mean, that's a that's a damn good lineup. Dame yeah, Mitchell, I I just, Paul George, Aminu Nurkic. That's a lineup that can compete I, night in, night out. I'm into this as a thought experiment, but I just think that there are too many variables to be so confident that what the Blazers did was wrong. The reason I'm so confident in Donovan Mitchell is because I think he is so good no matter what situation he went to, save maybe Orlando or Phoenix, where they just they just don't know what they're doing, it seems like a lot of times. Um, he would have found a way to be a star. That's the kind of, I think he's just that good of a player. Yeah. So you're just going to, you're going to just, this is the hill you're going to die on. Oh yeah. No, I I think this, (laughs) I think this kid is truly special. I I legitimately do. I, I I don't know if he's destined for the hall of fame, but I think he's going to make, if he doesn't make all-star games year in, year out, I think his career is probably going to fall as far as production is going to mimic that of Damian Lillard. I Mm -hmm. I really do. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to give you 22, 23, 24, 5, and 5, night in, night out, and just be a dynamic guy. And I think 
in the long run. Like I said earlier, I don't think this is going to haunt the Blazers like Bowie Jordan, but I think this is the one that they're going to look at, especially the younger guys right now that are, that are watching this team right now. Younger folks are going to sit there and go, man, how nice would that have been? Well, hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Sometimes twenty ten. There's a, there's a reason. There's a reason that's the saying. I, but let, let's let's re- oh, finish up. Go no, ahead. No, I was gonna say. I hope I'm wrong, and I hope Zach Collins turns out to be everybody's hopes and dreams. I just, I just don't see it happening right now. It's very hard for me Let's to imagine Let's talk about that. what the Blazers need to do to finish out strong this season. Uh, the, I think they're, the next game they play is going to be against Utah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually going to be in Utah for that game. Oh, that's right. This is the one you're going to. Yes. Uh, do you want me to give you yes. my Donovan Mitchell sign? <laughs> I, I'm going to have one of those giant like, fat heads of Donovan Mitchell. Right, right alongside Damian Lillard, so I can pretend. You know what? After we get off here, I'm gonna I'm gonna boot up 2K on the Xbox, and I'm gonna trade Donovan Mitchell for CJ McCollum. Oh, Dan. Let's f- talk about how the Blazers. I'll, I'll force Blazers... trade him. I'll force trade Donovan Mitchell for Zach Collins. <laughs> I want to have a super quick discussion about whether or not you think, and this is like. No, we're not going to go deep into this because we're going long, but what are the Blazers going to make the playoffs? I believe I heard you like yeah. basically guaranteeing yeah. that the Blazers are making the playoffs. So you're the, not worried. No, the only caveat that I have to this is injury, obviously. And that, that caveats, I think everything when you're talking about the NBA. Um, but I think the Blazers are in perfect position to, to, to make the playoffs. And I don't think that's really going to be an issue. Um, they got on a nice little roll there. They've won some games. They shouldn't have won to kind of make up for some games. that They shouldn't have lost earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. So I think, and I think they've done enough of that to compensate for some really, really bad losses. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, this closing they schedule, got a rough schedule coming up. Could, I mean, we went down this on the and outside. It's against the Northwest night. division, um, Northwest division opponents too. The, the final two weeks of the season is just absolutely vicious and will absolutely positively decide playoff seating. Okay. So your last, like what, two weeks of the season Rockets, Celtics, Thunder, Pelicans, Grizzlies. There's your your winnable game, like right out of the shoot. There, there's your one, and then you get Clippers or uh, Clippers, Grizzlies again. So, th- like, if you're talking about how you like how you need to close the game or close the season, you get the Grizzlies mm-hmm. twice and the Mavericks. But the downside uh-huh. is you get. And the- you hope that the Pelicans are or the you hope that the uh, Clippers are falling off. Yeah, because the Clippers <laughs> are right there too. But you get the Clippers twice, the Grizzlies twice, and the Mavericks. Those are your quote unquote gimme games that you have to win. Because mm-hmm. other than that, it it's Thunder, Pelicans, Grizzlies, Clippers, Grizzlies, Mavericks, Rockets, Spurs, Nuggets, Jazz. Let me give you that last four again. Rocket Spurs Nuggets Jazz with the last Jazz game being the only home game in that stretch. Oh my god, I'm gonna be so tired of the Jazz. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, at least we probably won't have to play them in the first round. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I don't think Portland can get to four and the Jazz can get to five unless you know the Jazz keep this win streak going and get to like twenty. Um, yeah, but I, for those people that are writing off the jazz or looking at the standings right now, like, Oh, Utah is not going to be there. Blah, 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 blah. I'm, I've looked at all the projections and adjusted projections, strength of schedule, all that kind of stuff. Five thirty-eight gives the jazz a better chance at making the playoffs than the Portland trailblazers. Yeah. I mean, they still have the blazers at what? Like, is it more 60, than 65? Yeah. I think it was 65 or 66%. The jazz were at like okay. 90%. So it kind of gives you an idea yeah. of, of the schedules these two are facing down the stretch. There's almost a 30% variance between the two. Yeah. And this, yeah, this winning streak that the Jazz are on, that's the hardest part of their schedule. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they're, just, they're beating the crap out of people. Like that game right. against Portland, that was not a close game. And it wasn't like mm-hmm. Portland was just off and they caught the Blazers on a bad night. The Jazz just beat them. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's what yeah. that was. That was an old-fashioned take them out to the woodshed whooping. And I haven't seen mm-hmm. – the most of the Blazers' losses this year have not been of that, that type. They've been of the they-didn't-care type or they-didn't-care-soon-enough mm-hmm. type. They, were they very, squandered something at the end exactly. kind of thing or they, they just ha- missed the last shot. They haven't been games where you're like, they just got beat. The Toronto – or the um, – uh, yeah, no, the Toronto game. The Toronto game was a – and the Detroit game – both those games to me were games that they just got beat. Toronto. Was, I think that 
was nuts. I think the OKC and Minnesota games that are coming up are going to be really good measures uh, to show where the Blazers are right now. Yeah, you know, I mean, I love my Portland Trailblazers. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I am just a worrier. And so, like, it, it's funny because we have such different attitudes, but you are, like, just so convinced about them going to the playoffs. And I don't want to say I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I'm nervous. And, like, my stomach is in knots about the rest of the season season because there's just, certainly a chance that, know, they, that, that, that something happens because right now as things sit um, let, me, let me pull up standings here again um i believe the um the jazz and the clippers are on the outside looking in right now right they're a half game back something along those lines i keep yeah. having to, i keep having to check these because i mean we, everybody's I mean, so honestly, close it's been it's been discussed so many times, and it'll be discussed a million more times. I don't think we need to go into the details because the, between two and a half number games. four and it's, number ten, yeah. it's ridiculous. It's four, how it's four and a half games are. between four and ten. That's I just nutty. think it's I think it's funny how confident you are and how nervous I am when we're both looking at the same numbers. And in general, I have a more positive outlook and in general, you're much more doom and gloom. I just think it's funny. Honestly, the two things that are different attitudes about that. I would say the two things that convince me are the two non Portland things that convince me, New Orleans losing boogie and the Clippers not having, um, Blake Griffin. Those are those are the, right. like I, I, no matter how they play or don't play, you know the the boost that you get after making a trade. Typically, um, right. I just I just look at those two guys not being on those teams, and I'm like, that's gonna hurt them on the stretch run. Right, that, it might be just, adrenaline at this point that's keeping their teams afloat. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, exactly. There's there's something there that they're they're popping off on, and and they're riding that wave right now. I think Minnesota, even though they they're five and five in their last ten, they're still what four or five games up on Portland. Like their mediocre play has still been better than most of the league. Like if they if they figure it out, them and OKC are the ones. Like if mm-hmm. they figure it out, they can really get away from the other teams. I think. And then Denver's getting Paul Millsap back. So while I think Portland's in a good position to make the playoffs, and I think it's probably better than. Um, what the prognosticators are putting out there. I think Portland's been, at, at this point in time, uh, capable of playing good ba- good to great basketball down the stretch. Um, I don't think some of those teams at the bottom are going to be healthy enough to really put the, the fear of God in, in the Blazers down the stretch run where the Blazers are much more in control of, of, their, of their basketball destiny, so to speak. Right. Okay, well, you made me feel slightly better. Just hey, don't talk about Donovan Mitchell anymore. Uh, I can't. I can't <laughs> promise that. The Blazers, for tonight. The, the Blazers do play the Utah Jazz their first game back, so um, right. My, my Twitter well, feed so, will be mostly Donovan Mitchell praise. I'll I'll see if I can get an up close uh, and personal picture of him for you, Dan. And then we'll never speak of it again. Uh, but the, the next time we talk, I will be in Utah. It's uh, good to talk to you after a week off. And um, moving forward, we should be able to uh, arrange it so that we uh, get back on our regular schedule. Yes. And maybe we can even get a few more of those um, previews with some of the. Um, some of the teams that are coming in because it is going to be really interesting down the stretch. And I really want to kind of, yeah. Understanding some where somebody picks. from Utah or somebody from Denver or somebody from the Clippers, you know, the other teams that are around Portland vying yeah. for those positions um, should be really fun. So uh, I'm, you and I will both work to bring in um, those guys, you know, to, to, yeah. bring, to bring in the, the, that point of view to see kind of what we can pull out of there because I know everybody loved the one with, uh, with Caitlin Cooper with the Pacers, um, as in depth as she was. So I think that'll that'll be really cool to, to bring in that outside perspective um, down the home stretch. Well, yeah, and let's remind everybody if they have any suggestions or questions that they want to bring to us, you can email us at blazersedgepod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, why don't you, let's see, I, you, if people want to tweet at me or follow me on Twitter and listen to me go on and on about how much I love the Olympics and Dolly Parton as well as the Portland Trailblazers. Dolly Parton in the Olympics. Okay, so one of my favorite Dolly Parton YouTube videos is her and Kenny Rogers singing, I think it's Islands in the Stream, but they're singing it at 
the Memorial Coliseum, and they make this really hilarious and lame reference to the Portland Trailblazers, and it is it's why I love her even more. Dolly Parton anyway, does the uh, KFC commercials, right? No, that's not Dolly Parton, Dan. Oh my God, we have a lot to talk about, but we'll do that <laughs> off wax. I am at TCB Biggs on Twitter. Why don't you take us out of here, Dan? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at DMarang. Uh, all this week, you can find us on NBC Sports Northwest at 7 p.m. as it's All-Star break. So we'll be covering your Blazers and Outsiders at 7 p.m. Me, Shane Brennan, Joe Simons. Uh, hit me up on Twitter for questions here, questions on the show, uh, questions for Tara and I. Um, we're always looking to get the user feedback, interaction, fans, whatever you want to call it. Um, we we want to know what you guys think and what you guys want to know. Um, because we'll, we'll definitely address all that stuff. But for Tara, I'm Dan, Danny, whatever it's going to be going forward. Uh, thanks for listening. You can catch us on iTunes, on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, and pretty much anywhere else for your podcast needs. And we'll catch you next, next, next week. Take care, everybody.